Welcome to the Academy Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing rich content for the purpose of spiritual growth. I'm your host, Claire McKeever Burgett, and I serve as the Associate Director of the Academy for Spiritual Formation, an international ministry of the Upper Room. The Academy creates transformative space for people to connect with God, self, others, and creation for the sake of the world. The Academy podcast is one offering from a rich well of content sprung from deep relationship building with wisdom guides, pilgrim participants, and wholehearted leaders we've had the honor of knowing throughout the past 36 years. Thank you to all of those who've joined us on the journey, and if you're new with us today, welcome. We're glad you're here. To learn more about the Academy, visit academy.upperroom.org. This month's podcast features teaching from Roger Owens at Two-Year Academy 36 in San Antonio, Texas, where he taught on traditions of Christian spirituality. Walking us through the Ignatian spiritual practice of examine, Roger illumines an age-old exercise that is applicable and perhaps even essential in our modern lives. Roger received his PhD in theology from Duke University, where he was awarded a Lilly Fellowship for the formation of a learned clergy. Before that, he completed his MDiv at Duke Divinity School, and as an undergraduate, he studied philosophy and Bible religion at Anderson University in Indiana. An ordained elder in the North Carolina Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church, Roger served both urban and rural churches before joining the faculty at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Associate Professor of Christian Spirituality and Ministry, Roger's work centers on postmodern spirituality and finding the sacred in the present reality of our lives. Roger is married to the Reverend Ginger Thomas, who is a two-year Academy alum and an ordained United Methodist pastor. Roger and Ginger are the parents of three children, Simeon, Silas, and Mary Claire. Featured on this podcast before, Roger continues to offer us guidance and wisdom in the way of spiritual formation, reminding us that when we pay attention, we can be open to true transformation. Listen on, beloveds, and enjoy. If in the kind of contemplative traditions we were talking about yesterday, there was an emphasis on bypassing or emptying the faculties of the mind, staring into the blank, naked receptivity. You can see maybe if you know anything about Ignatius, why he didn't make it into yesterday's story. Uh, Because Ignatius, in his kind of contemplative or meditative approach to spirituality, is all about entering and using every aspect of the mind's capabilities, and especially the imagination. Ignatius was born into a noble family in Loyola, uh, which is uh, in Spain, just close to the border with France. Um, He began a military career, and then in, in a battle in 1521, his leg was injured, and during his recuperation, he read uh, books on spirituality. He read A Life of Christ. He read uh, Biographies of the Saints. And this had a profound impact on him. It, it ended in a kind of conversion. He had devoted himself to the service of God. And, and in this, he devoted himself to, to a life of poverty um, and to a life of studying because he wanted to help souls, he said. And through study, he could do this. 
Well, as is common in these stories, a group of like-minded men began to gather around him. They wanted the same thing. They saw life the same way. They determined to live a life of poverty in service to others. They wanted to do it in the Holy Land, uh, but wars there prevented them from doing that. Eventually, the group made it to Rome, where in 1540 they were made the Society of Jesus, or the Jesuits, which is why they have the SJ after their names. Ignatius spent the rest of his life, 16 years, ordering the life of his rapidly expanding society. The 16th century was a period of reform and renewal. Uh, Not only was there the Continental Reformation and the new ideas, but there was a renewed interest in spirituality uh, outside of the monasteries in the common people. And so Ignatius and his Jesuits, uh, this little band of priests, set upon a ministry in the world of teaching and service with the aim of rekindling the spiritual life of the church. They became known for their missionary work, their learning, and their establishment of schools. There are two spiritual practices that we often associate with Ignatius, uh, especially, and the Jesuits. And they're called the spiritual exercises and the examine or the examination of conscience. Unlike uh, Teresa and John or really any of the other figures we've talked about, uh, Ignatius is the one that gives us a takeaway, right? This is a, I mean, a take-home practice. You, you hear about Ignatius and you got something in your hands, or you will in just a few minutes, that you can take home and, and you can practice, you can, you can do it. The spiritual exercises is a manual for meditative prayer that Ignatius wrote for people who are leading others in retreats. And he wrote it largely out of his own experience um, in in prayer. And you likely know that usually uh, uh, Ignatian retreat in the spiritual exercises is a 30-day, very individual, guided retreat designed around imaginatively entering the narrative of the Gospels, entering into, imagining oneself in uh, these scenes with Jesus. In the four weeks, the first week begins with a meditation on sin and its consequences. The second week enters into meditation on the... That's an interesting word, meditation, because... Uh, since you know the 1960s and when Zen Buddhism kind of came into our culture, we think of meditation as what I was kind of calling contemplation yesterday, the kind of emptying, right? You're meditating, you're humming, or your yoga meditation. Well, meditation in this context is just the opposite. It's a very active uh, mental exercise this, that you make your meditation. Um, so the second week is a meditation on the life of Christ, entering into the life of Christ. The third week is meditation on a week of the, of the passion. Uh, and then the fourth week is meditation on the, uh, the post-resurrection and the resurrection of Christ. Uh, and it's very individualized. It's done with a spiritual director. So every day, usually the retreatant will meet with the spiritual director and, and, and talk about the kind of guidance or what's going on in the life of prayer. 
And one of the keys in Ignatian spirituality is paying attention not only to what you're doing in your mind, but what's going on in you. Paying attention to what's going on in you. I think, uh, I've already mentioned Frederick Buechner, but he loves to say, listen to your life. And it, Paula D'Arcy uh, says uh, that God comes to you disguised as your life. And in Ignatian spirituality, we're invited to pay attention to what's going on in our lives with the belief that uh, just as in the words of Scripture and just as in for the, the Celts, the book of creation, also through our own experiences and through how we react to our experiences, we can receive guidance from the Holy Spirit. And so especially in these periods of prayer, in order to have discernment, uh, what you're looking for and paying attention to are moments of consolation, periods of peace and joy and serenity, the, the, the stillness and consolation, and moments of desolation, deep, utter fear, anxiety, uh, uh, stress, those periods. And it's not that a moment of consolation, if we're trying to make a decision, sometimes uh, one will go on an Ignatian retreat when, when you need to make a decision. And it's not that one moment of desolation or one moment of consolation is what it takes to make a decision. But it's by observing the patterns of these things over time that we can come to some sense of perhaps peace about a decision. And so that's, that's kind of how it works. I'm not an Ignatian spiritual director, and I've always been confused about this kind of stuff. I always understand it retrospectively. If I look at decisions I've made, I can see how it works. But in the moment, I can't quite, uh, I can't quite figure it out. Uh, but this is the theory. Uh, that's how it goes. Um, it can help us make decisions and lead to discernment. Have any of you made a 30-day Ignatian retreat? So there's also this possibility that he gives room for of doing the Ignatian spiritual exercises in daily life, in which case you would spend an hour a day for like 10 months or a year in the spiritual exercises, and you'd meet with your spiritual director once a week uh, once, to make this more available. Have any of you done that? Spiritual exercises in, in daily life. Um, that's a, certainly a possibility. Um, there's this paying attention that's at the heart of Ignatian spirituality. But it doesn't just happen in this period of the retreat or around the imaginative entering uh, into these narratives of scripture. Um, there's also the Ignatian practice of the examine or the examination of conscience. And the examine is a simple, systematic way of looking at the experiences of a day by paying attention to notice the movement of God's spirit in your life. A simple, systematic way to pay attention to the experiences of your day in order to notice the movement of God's spirit in your life. Uh, Ignatius wanted his priest to do the exam twice a day, uh, at noon or after lunch and in the evening. And here's what the exam looked like for Ignatius. There were five steps. One of the things you got to know uh, is that this can happen in many different ways. So once you have Ignatius's five steps, the other th the great thing about this practice is it's not only portable, you can take it and go and run with it, it's also very adaptable. 
Uh, you, can, uh, you can simplify it. You can make it more difficult. You can take an hour and write stuff down. You can do it five minutes mentally. It's a very adaptable uh, exercise. But for Ignatius, you began by reviewing your day, allowing and looking for moments of gratitude. Looking for moments for, thi uh, uh, for things for which we need to be grateful and give thanks. My challenge with this, and so I always talk to people when I'm talking about the exam, is that there are those things that we think we're supposed to be thankful for, right? I mean, they're just things you're supposed to be grateful for. And, uh, and so if you find one of those and you weren't grateful in the moment, sure, be grateful for it. But there are also those like hidden moments of gratitude, the things that catch us by surprise that we didn't notice it in the moment. But it's only retrospectively and looking for our day that we see it as a gift. And I think that's one of the great things about the exam is it lets us find things in our life that we didn't catch in the moment because we were busy with our life uh, and, and allows us to retrospectively give, give thanks, to notice what we didn't notice in the moment. So we begin with gratitude, though not with a heavy emphasis on the shoulds. Secondly, he says we review the day looking for our faults, our sins. We, we pay attention to our day looking for those things we did which we ought not to have done and the things we didn't do which we ought to have done. Uh, and especially in, you know, in his day and in some traditions of doing this, the examine is very heavily weighted in the direction of, of looking for sins and penance. Uh, that's why it's called the examination of conscience. You're examining uh, how well you lived uh, your day. And it can, so it can have a kind of imbalance to it. On the other hand, looking for our sins is an important part of our moving forward in the life of prayer and in life with God. And I love... Um, I love, ooh, I didn't put it in here. Yes, I did. I love what Marjorie Thompson says uh, in, in Soul Feast about the importance of looking for sin in our life and confession uh, in a balanced kind of way. She said, it's precisely because we are worth so much in God's eyes and ought to so value one another and ourselves that we confess our shortcomings. So looking for sin isn't, to, isn't because we're trying to put ourselves down or discover how little we are, but we do it precisely because we are worth so very much. We place our hope in God's forgiveness and renewal, trusting that changeable attitudes and behaviors do not indelibly define who we are. A true spirit of confession, she says, actually increases authentic self-acceptance and love. A true spirit of confession increases authentic self-acceptance and love. And then Ignatius says, review the hour, the day hour by hour in a very, as, as a minute way as you can, going through every experience, encounter, noticing every feeling, every interaction. Uh, and this is what you're paying, pay attention. How did you feel? How, how did you respond in that encounter? You're just, you're doing an overview of your day with the conviction that God is in each moment of this day, whether you noticed it or not. Um, right after uh, Beekner says in one of his books, listen to your life, he says each moment is a key moment. Each moment is a key moment. So once again, we're not looking for the big things that we think should be the important parts of our lives or day, but every moment. Can you remember your encounters 
in your experiences and your feelings. And you can pay attention to these, not because necessarily one moment's going to give you an insight into your life or direction from God, but, but the real value of this practice is over the period of months that you do this, and you begin to see the patterns of your reacting. You get to see the patterns of how you engage with others. And it's when you notice the patterns that you can be open to the Spirit's transformation. Um, I was talking to my new spiritual director in Pittsburgh, and he said, every pattern in your life is significant. Every pattern for for the spiritual life. Every pattern is significant. And a pattern is anything you do more than once without choosing to do it. A pattern is anything you do more. That's a lot. So you can't examine all your patterns at one time. But you begin to notice them. Uh, And then you can use what you notice for later, more lengthy reflection. I shared in Covenant Group last night that when uh, Jane was uh, reading her homily on John 4, and this beautiful picture of of the woman in a way we've never seen her before, I was really touched. I was was responding emotionally uh, to what she said. And I didn't know why. I just knew I was really touched. And so if I had done the examine last night, uh, I would have noticed that I was touched by this, and that would have been an opportunity for further reflection. Or for me to pay attention tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. Am I finding a pattern of places where God seems to be nudging me uh, through the affective part of my life uh, that I need to pay attention to? And fourth... We ask for forgiveness for the day's faults. And fifth, we make a resolution to amend our ways with the help of God. As I listen to Roger walk us through the Ignatian spiritual practice of examine, I can't help but think of Mary Oliver's famous instructions for living a life. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. From her poem, Sometimes, these instructions appear in section four of the seven-part offering, following her musings on thunder and lightning, preceding her musings on love and God and death. If I'm honest, I have at times been overwhelmed by Ignatian's spiritual practice, lacking the discipline and resolve to fully examine, explore, and review my day. This lack of discipline is not because I'm lazy. Rather, it is because I'm tired. Yet even as I describe these feelings, I'm realizing that as Roger explains it, this is the examine, the practice. By noticing my weariness, I can then begin to notice why I'm weary. And from there, I can become aware of what causes it. And if there is a pattern, I can either lovingly break it or lovingly accept it. Or perhaps I can both accept and break the pattern all at once. I'm not sure if Mary Oliver knew and read about Ignatius, but there's something in me that says she most certainly did. How else do we get the dance of her poetry and instructions on living a life with Ignatius's examine? The interplay between the two, 
of awareness and astonishment, confession and witness, forgiveness and help, love and gratitude, are, well, astounding. May we all find our unique ways into paying attention, being astonished, and telling about it, so that we might be transformed into the likeness and love of God. I believe both Ignatius and Mary would agree this is the point. May it ever be so. To hear more from faculty and wisdom guides like Roger Owens, join us at the next short-term or two-year academy. For more information, visit academy.upperroom.org. Thank you.